Thundergrunt Podcast Network. All things remain quiet here. The weather is bad. I am fearful the snow is too deep for the last company of emigrants to cross the mountains. George McKinstry. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Joe, we just had a pretty awful snowstorm. Mm-hmm. I'd say we got about, what, two feet of snow, something like that, in, here about in Maryland? That, yeah, yeah. And I think people north of us got, you know, got it a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. I remember some really bad snowstorms in the history of Maryland, just living here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, one was like 96. Oh, yeah, that was We really got bad. a real bad one. And then mm-hmm. uh, what was, when was Snowmageddon? Was that like 2007? I believe so, 2006, yeah. mm-hmm. something like that? And that yeah. was like... It was like four or five feet. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Colorado, uh, so this is – I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's not a shock for for me to see this much snow. But here in Maryland, yeah, it's kind of a, a big deal. Well, what was – what's like the biggest amount of snow that you've seen? You ever that seen – I've seen? Yeah. Uh, I want to say probably about five feet. Five feet? Yeah. I – Lived in a ground floor apartment in Colorado one year, and uh, you know, with the snow drift, the wind, and the, the amount of snow, as soon as I opened my front door, the snow was chest height. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is <laughs> this is going to be a while." Yeah, right. Yeah, and everything was just blanketed in just mounds and mounds of snow. So. Since uh, I know we just did po- Polar Explorer, so mm. this is this is something kind of akin to that. It is. It, you we're, know? we're in the cold, wintry months here right. in Maryland, so it, it made sense to do that. Right. So, And it makes sense to do this. Uh, we're going to talk about some people who got stuck in some very terrible snowstorms. Yes. And, uh, you know, some terrible things possibly ensued. Mm-hmm. And, and you're talking uh, not modern times. No. We're talking probably over a century and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So, and this was, uh, this was before the United States was the fully formed country that it is today. Yeah. yeah. So. And we're talking about the Donner Party. Yeah. So the, the Donner Party, as you know, uh, is a group of people that moved from the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tried to go to California, and mm-hmm. at the time, California was actually a part of Mexico. Right, right. So, and I believe everything west of the Mississippi was the great unknown. <laughs> you know, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You had some people going out to you know frontiersmen going to Arizona, Colorado, and California. Sort of a a land rush, gold rush kind of thing. Right. Plus. The United States of America was also trying to expand its grasp, its hold, and uh, yeah, we just started moving west. Right. So really, it kind of starts with someone that was not even in the Donner Party, and his name was Langsford Hastings. He was a promoter of the idea of people moving out to California Mm -hmm. 
so that basically we could take California away from Mexico. Yeah. And in order to do that, you needed great swaths of <laughs> American people right. to move right. there. Mm-hmm. So once you have you know so many people on their land, yep. they're living there, then they can defend their land and say no, this is our land, and basically kind of take it by force, yeah, really, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, just just by sort of moving there and it's like squatters, squatters, rights. right? You know, <laughs> right? So um, so basically, uh, Langsford Hastings he originally f- was from Ohio. He traveled re- west to Oregon in 1842 and down to California. Uh, in 1843, he dreamed of a scheme to wrest uh, California from Mexico, which they owned, mm-hmm. as part of a scheme that he needed uh, an influx of, of Americans. Uh, and he wrote a book called The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California. Right. Uh, and that was to glorify the West and encourage uh, Easterners to follow him into the Garden of the Earth. Right. I mean, he was talking about, you know, the lush landscape and the fruits and the sunshine and all the things that we know to be true about California. Right. And it was sort of, you know, it was a good marketing ploy mm-hmm. to, to get these penny books at your local general store right. and, and dream of, you know, a wonderful sunshine state when you're in someplace like Illinois. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So here's the thing is that the... Uh, he wrote in, in, in the book, The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California. Now, you're saying emigrants. Yes, emigrants. Immigrants. Not immigrants, right. emigrants, mm-hmm. but emigrants immigrate. Yes, true. Right. They move from one place to another. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so an emigrant is someone who is in their own country and they want to move to a new place. Uh, yeah, but the root word is migrant. Migrant. Right. Yes, for both. So, so. It's, it's moving from... Point A to point B, whether it is from outside of the country mm-hmm. to another country, then you would be an immigrant. Right. An immigrant is within your two country. Sides, two sides of the same coin. Right. Wouldn't actually know. Well, uh, mm, I'm not sure. Okay. It's, I think an immigrant is someone who is moving. Mm-hmm. An immigrant is someone who is there now. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Right. So is really kind of where it is. Okay. So, so you are in the process of... Emigrating, mm-hmm. and then once you're there, you're immigrated. Okay, all right, sure. Uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's that's the story you're stick uh, sticking to? to it. Okay, so uh, okay, so basically, in in his book, he wrote about the infamous Hastings Cutoff that ran south of the Great Salt Lake mm-hmm. uh, in order to try and establish California, like we were talking about. Right. The established California Trail ran to the north of the of Lake Hastings. And the, and the worst part about it is, Joe, is that Hastings had never actually traveled over his shortcut at the time that he had written the book. From my understanding is that from Illinois to California, it was like 2,500 miles. Mm-hmm. And Hastings, quote unquote, shortcut that he wrote about in his book right. um, was supposed to shave off 350, 400 miles, right, right, from that journey. Yeah. So you'd make it there in what a couple of weeks ahead of, yeah, of but everybody the, else. The, the problem is, is that is that this trail had not been blazed yet. Very right. much like the right. the you know what I mean the established California trail. So well, and the other thing is it it had been yeah okay. But you're talking about frontiersmen on horseback or with right. donkeys. So it's just them, a couple of other dudes. 
and meager, meager provisions because you're going over mountain ranges, basically. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, you could do like a single file, file horse, right? You know, line, but you're, but the problem is, is that it was never he was inviting people right. to meet him at Fort Bridger mm-hmm. uh, in order to, you know, to 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 migrate there, mm-hmm. and all of those people had, you know covered wagons in mm-hmm. order for them to carry all their possessions. Right. And you're talking from uh, one place to another. And back in those days a covered wagon would take anywhere from four to six oxen to right. pull. Yeah. You know, all of the the supplies, people, and the weight of the wagon itself. Mm-hmm. Now if you have terrible, horrible, no good, very bad weather, then you can be stuck for a couple of days. Yeah. If not more. Just because the the wagon, a wagon wheel stuck in a you know a, a, a rut, right? You know? Well, and they're made of wood. Yeah. So if you have you know very horrible terrain, those things can break. The axles can snap. The oxen can go lame, and mm-hmm. you can put them down. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. Right. Hastings really gambled with a lot by telling people this is this is my suggested shortcut to get you through faster. So regardless, he did invite people to join him at Fort Bridger uh, in order to, you know, to go. Now, there was a group of, of people that we call the Reed Donner Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they first left Springfield, Illinois, right? What? What? <laughs> Illinois. That's what I said, Illinois. Okay. <laughs> right. Is that April 16th, 1846? Okay. Here's the thing. Right. I've done I've done several uh, bits of research on this, and I've gotten at least right now in front of me. I have four separate dates: mm-hmm. the fourteenth, the fifteenth, the sixteenth, and the seventeenth of April is all the quote unquote start date yeah, for this and, party. And I know this is this is kind of silly because it's like, all right, so you know, within three days they definitely left. But right. so there is there are some discrepancies about that, mm-hmm. and it's really uh, it was Eliza Donner in her in a book that she wrote uh, that said they they left Thurs- Thursday, April fifteenth, eighteen forty six. But April 15th actually was a Wednesday, mm-hmm. so they weren't sure whether it was April 16th or whatnot. You know, okay. it might have just been a typo, so something it's like within that. that. that week. Within that – within those three days, they okay. definitely left. All right. Which is like, come on. I mean – And it's okay, but what happens is your later dates kind of get muddled and pushed around because of your start date. Right. If that's not correct, then, you know, there are a few journal entries from the party mm-hmm. as, they, as they've, they've gone through. If the start date is not correct from one person's perspective, then it would it be wrong for the other person's? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it can get a little confusing. Now, here's the thing about the Reeds and the Donners. The Reeds and the Donners, uh, the town that they lived in, they uh, the, the Donners didn't really live in the town. They lived outside of the town. They were a little bit more rural. Mm-hmm. And the Donners were farmers. So uh, they had a, quite a few children, uh, and the Reeds had a, quite a few children as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the were, Reeds were more well-to-do. Right. He had, they were kind of ri- rich people. Right. He owned a – the father, Reed, had a, a shop mm-hmm. and uh, kind of well-off. Right. Uh, he was probably the most well-off of the entire journey. 
And, and listen to this. So the Reed family, they owned three wagons. Mm-hmm. One of the wagons, this is my favorite. Oh, yeah. One of the wagons <laughs> was an extravagant two-story land yacht, basically. It was a double-decker bus. Right. That had a built, it had a built-in stove, fancy uh-huh. seats, and beds, and it took eight oxen. You know, remember how we said four to six oxen? Four to six, yeah. This took eight full oxen were required to pull it, and uh, some historians say it slowed the Donna Reed party group. Uh, from the normal 10 miles uh, a day pace mm-hmm. uh, of the wagon train uh, down to possibly eight or six miles a day. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I mean, you know, almost halved what they could do because mm-hmm. of this crazy land yacht thing. <laughs> could you imagine that? You're, you're so, so used to seeing, like, a wagon with, like, this the covered wagon kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know what I mean, with, like, some cloth draped over, some dowel rods that are, like, bent over or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, you no, know, this is a gigantic, like... Huge, some rich like, jerk in his land yacht. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so by May tenth, eighteen forty six, the Donners and the Reeds arrive at Independence, Missouri, mm-hmm. which is basically at that point that was the edge of the frontier. Right. That was like the the last stop before mm-hmm. you hit the interior. Right. Basically, anything past this, mm-hmm. not only are you basically you're you're. What are, you're you're like uh, Star Trek, right? You're mm-hmm. just kind of in the ether. You're past the frontier, yeah, right? Exactly. You, know, exactly. You, you could run into anything at this point, right? So it was. It you was, could run into Indians, mm-hmm. uh, Native Americans, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, because they're different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you you could run into people who are not necessarily, you know, we're, we're talking bandits. Mm-hmm. You're at this point. You're not going to have any kind of. Uh, you know, sheriffs or anything, mm-hmm. no one to help you out past this point. Right. And there were several carved out trails, mm-hmm. you know, wagon trails, uh, well known. that would kind of help you find your way. But there literally was no other town for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles from Independence. Right. Now, there were forts. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, no town, we- though. But no towns, yeah. <laughs> right. Now, when you say a fort, you're, you know, we're, we're thinking like, uh, you know, like a whole bunch of trees that are pushed together mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. But I, I was listening to, well, I was actually listening to, I think, like a History Goes Bump episode mm-hmm. where they were talking about forts. You know, during that time period, you think about, uh, you know, like a frontier fort, like like something from Ravenous, right? Where you have a whole bunch of timbers that are mm-hmm. shoved into the ground. Yeah. And yeah. it's a wooden fort to protect you. But a lot of the Everything's time. Everything's like log cabin-esque. Right. Mm. But a lot of the time, no, it's just like a hole dug in the ground. And when they say uh-huh. it's a fort, it's just like a place where people can gather behind some dirt yeah. in order yeah. to, you know, uh, you know. So, I mean, the, you know, maybe they have, you know, a few like wooden benches around and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But some are probably a little bit more elaborate. But yeah, yeah a lot of the, especially the early frontier forts, mm-hmm. they were, yeah, just like that. Just a couple of dirt walls. Some dirt hills. Yeah, dirt hills just to kind of like, Keep the wind off your back, basically. Yeah, yeah. Defend and, you from arrow fire, mm-hmm. and that's about it. But they, so they, they arrive in Independence, and they're they're stocking up. Mm-hmm. They've also found a handful of other families that are kind of going on the same journey. So it was back then, safety in numbers, you know, and, and you can help. Everybody had either hired hands or friends or whatever that were going along with them. Mm-hmm. So it made the journey easier if you had extra hands to help. Right. 
Now, I think this was around the same time where they decided who they were going to have be the the leader mm-hmm. of the party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think the obvious choice was Mr. Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, they decided to go with uh, – I, I believe they actually put it to a vote and they decided to go with Mr. Donner mm-hmm. instead, which is why they typically call it the Donner Party, even though right. later on – Mr. Reed really wound up being the one who... He did kind of take over. Right. Yeah. So... By the 19th of May, they had did the party, made it to Indian Creek, which is about 100 miles or 160 kilometers west of Independence. The Donners and the Reeds joined a larger wagon train, which was led by Colonel William Henry Russell, and they moved on from there. They kind of joined forces and kept going down the, down the path. By the 27th, they had high water uh, that stopped the, the train at the east bank of the Big Blue River in modern-day Kansas. Back then, you had to kind of walk the <laughs> everything across the river. Right. There was no bridges. So they actually did build some crude rafts to get a lot of their supplies across, and they did kind of wait it out to see if the water would recede. But this happened several times the journey. Around, around May is the point when they, the party first loses someone. Now, was this the guy who died of tuberculosis? Uh, it was Miss Reed's mother. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was Sarah Keyes. She died of tuberculosis and is buried under a tree near Alcove Spring. Yeah, and we've talked about tuberculosis quite a mm-hmm. few times, mostly mm-hmm. uh, when we were discussing vampirism oddly enough well, it was called consumption yeah. Cons- yeah 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 so but yeah i mean she was probably going west to get that nice california air mm-hmm. you know what i mean try yeah. to get away from uh uh all the snow and all them draculas <laughs> so it took them about three or four days to ferry all the wagons and supplies across the uh the big blue river then journeyed on and by the 16th of june tamson donner which was one of the daughters, writes that they are now at the Platte River about 200 miles away from Fort Laramie, now known as Wyoming. And she writes in her journal, the journey was so far, so far has been easier than she'd expected. And uh, that is, uh, that's some portents there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it was around uh, June 27th when they actually made it to Fort Laramie. And uh, this was when Reed actually ran into an acquaintance called James Kleiman, mm-hmm. and he discussed the Hastings cutoff with him. And basically, uh, you know, Kleiman decided to tell him, "Don't do this. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's definitely not worth because it." Because he came over. He was I, coming back. Yeah, from what I understand, Kleiman came over from the Hastings cutoff, right. quote unquote. Uh, but he came across on horse and and donkey right with just a single horse and a single donkey and they right you know he was able to do it but Mm -hmm. basically it did not have any kind of tracks no road whatsoever right so he he told reed don't do it don't do it because you can't take wagons that way go the old route be safe you'll perish Mm -hmm. Uh, and reed replied to him there's a newer route we might as well take it so that's that's like is that bravado? Is that I is think, that I think it is cojones, or is that just plain stupidity? He wants to blaze a trail. Yeah, but you don't do that with a pack full of you know family members and you know a dozen or so you know wagons behind you. 
You just don't do that. So it was July 20th when they reached the Little Sandy River. Most of the immigrants turned right, northwest, to follow the established trail. 20 wagons, including the nine with the Reeds and the Donners, they turned left towards Fort Bridger. Now, this was the time when they were actually trying to figure out who was going to be the captain. And most people thought it was going to be James Reed, but it actually turned out they had decided to choose George Donner, who was 62, Mm. instead of Reed, the business person. uh, He had been labeled as headstrong uh, and aristocratic. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. And Donner had been a farmer, so he was just a little bit more easygoing. So that's why they chose him. Yeah, and I I think it's most of the people, you know, they were working class people. Mm -hmm. And they were going out there to make a new start. I wouldn't listen to some hooty-tooty, you know, guy with a land yacht. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, buddy. You pulled out yourself. You were the one who brought it. So it was a week later, the smaller party arrived at Fort Bridger, which consisted of two log cabins and a corral. Now, the problem is, is they were all trying to meet this guy, Langsford Hastings, right, mm-hmm. at a specific date so that they could all leave. But he was actually not there. He had already started west of California a week earlier uh, than the, you know, a week earlier as a guide for another train of wagons. Yes. So he left instructions for any any emigrants to follow along behind. Yeah, he left like breadcrumb notes. He left paper notes along a known trail saying, follow me to this point, follow me to that point. So it was a little while after that, on July 31st, the nine families, including over 40 children and 16 single men, left Fort Bridger and entered the Hastings Cutoff. So on August 6th, the Donner Party found a note that was stuck to some sage. It was from Hastings himself, and it stated that the road ahead was impassable for wagons, and that he advised people to wait until he could show them a better way. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) at that point, James Reed, the... Haughty guy, uh-huh. uh, and the you know guy with the the land yacht decided that he was going to take over as the pilot for the party. And the next day, the members of the party turned off the minimal tiny trail mm-hmm. that they had been on into the wilderness on their own. So they basically right. just went off the already blazed trail because it, you know it, it wasn't going to work. So mm-hmm. they had to go through and basically you know cobble together some way of getting these you know these wagons through. Well, and and also Hastings had accompanied Reed partway back mm-hmm. uh, because he had met him on the the sixth when they found um, when they started to sort of you know spread apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after finding the note, Hastings made it back in time to you know to see Reed and his party. Hastings stood on a rock. Above the trail, would not come down, <laughs> would not talk to people, and basically pointed a direction and told them to go down that way. Mm-hmm. Come on, what? And you listen to this guy? Yeah. Well, he wrote a book. <laughs> Obviously, he's important. Of course. There's a lot of people who write books who are not important. So it wasn't until September that the party finally rejoined the established California Trail mm-hmm. at the Humboldt River near modern Elko, Nevada. The party had lost three or four weeks of time uh, on the shortcut. That doesn't make it a shortcut. No, it makes it a long cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're talking very rough terrain, very hilly terrain, in, in areas that y- you had all hands on deck basically to pull one wagon over certain hills mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah. You know, like that does not 
seem like a fun thing to do. Now, here's the thing is that uh, except for the Donner Party, which we're currently talking about, Mm -hmm. Hastings actually got pretty much all of the other emigrants of 1846 that came through that trail. He got them all to California safely. Yeah, because he took the other one. He took the standard trail. The point is, is he got them all safely. He got them there all safely besides the Donner Party. Yeah, but he didn't use his his Hastings cutoff trail. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's like he invents some, you know, crazy cutoff shortcut himself trying to take it, says, oh, this is not going to work, tells the Donner Party, the Donners and the Reeds and the other families in their party, says, don't go this way. I'll point down here. You just go around that way. Go yeah. around, go around the, the bend. And he proceeds to take the other party down the well-known you know, wagon trail and everybody who goes with him arrives safely. Arrives safely. So and they're he perfectly has, fine. So he has this, this like chutzpah, you know, <laughs> I brought all these people back. By the 22nd of August, the Donner Party enters Salt Lake Valley. In the evening of the 25th of August, Luke Helleran, he dies of tuberculosis. Man, so that's two people of tuberculosis gone. Mm-hmm. So, And this is before, like, really it gets bad. Yes, yes. By the 30th of August, they reach Redlam Spring, which is – that's where you're, you're on the cusp of the great uh, Salt Lake Desert. Yeah. And the really crazy thing about the, the desert, the Salt Lake Desert, is during the daytime, all of the moisture comes up from the Salt Lake – and mm-hmm. makes makes the the top crust of of the salt lake into this like mushy kind of bog <laughs> in, the, in the the heat. Yeah. When it cools down, it's freezing. Yeah. So either way, you you kind of lose. <laughs> you know. So they tried to to traverse this uh, this salt lake, where they were told it would take them from Hastings. Told them it would shouldn't take them more than you know two or three days to get across. I think it's like, what, six, 600 miles across, something like that. And it took them almost a week and a half. This is where the Reeds had to abandon their double-decker land yacht. Now, right, and they actually abandoned two of their wagons. Right, but they had to abandon the huge one because it got yeah. stuck in the salt flats. Right, and even uh, George Donner, mm-hmm. he got rid of one. And yeah. then Lewis Kesselberg, who was also uh, – he – he was also on the on the trail. He mm-hmm. had to abandon one. So we've left out like four wagons now that yeah. are carrying all goods that they're supposed to be going to California with. Yeah. Yeah. On the 24th of September, after surviving the whole desert ordeal, the party realizes that the inventory of supplies they have left is not going to be enough food and water to to last them at all. Yeah. So what they do is they actually sent Two people, Charles Stanton and William McCutcheon, ahead of the, the, the wagon party to Sutter's Fort mm-hmm. to get more supplies. So like, here's some horses. Go. By the 26th of September, the party arrives at the Humboldt River. It's a cutoff that meets the, the standard trail, which was actually 125 miles or 200 kilometers shorter than the Hastings cutoff. Isn't that great? <laughs> so if they just would have stayed on the original 
trail. They would have saved themselves 125 miles. That's absolutely amazing. Crazy. Well, they, I mean, they also had to, they had to transverse all that brush and go around. You know, yeah, what you, was supposed to, was just like a one-horse trail. If you, know? you look at the map, the, the traditional, the regular trail, yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of a curvy, it looks a bit, you know, out of the way. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the Hastings one, and it's like zigzagged up and through mountains and stuff. It's just like, he just took a, a crayon and was just like, uh, this way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's, here's another kind of crazy moment. Uh, happened on October 5th at Iron Point. Uh, there was two wagons that became entangled. And John Snyder, a teamster for one of the two wagons. Now, the teamster basically are the people who... They were know, the hired hands from Independence, mm-hmm. Missouri. Yeah. That were, you know, we'll pay you wages to get us there and, and get us safe. Right. And yeah. they also help get the wagons out of ruts and yeah, out, yeah. Of, out of things. They mm-hmm. help fix... The hired hands. Fix yeah. the wagons, you know, and help drive the, you know, drive cattle and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. help drive the oxen and what Cowboys. Yeah. So basically the two, two oxen... Teams became entangled, and John Snyder started whipping the oxen. He was infuriated by uh, the infuriated by the teamsters' uh, treatment of the oxen. James Reed he ordered the man to stop, and he wouldn't. So he grabbed his knife and he stabbed him in the stomach and mm-hmm. killed him. Mm-hmm. So now the Donner Party didn't waste any time administer- administering their own justice. Louis Kesselberg he favored hanging for James Reed. Uh, but the group instead voted to banish him, mm-hmm. and uh, he left he said his he family. was doing it in self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, he exactly. thought he was coming after him, mm-hmm. and pulled the knife out to sort of defend himself, and, yeah. shank. and shanked him. Yep. Yeah. So Reed was last seen riding off uh, to the west with a man named Walter Heron. And he was he was another member of the party. So there's another three that are down, two mm-hmm. that branched off, and... One that's now dead. Yeah. So the Donner Party continued to travel along the Humboldt River with the remaining draft animals exhausted and to spare the animals uh, that could walk. Uh, two days after killing Snyder on October 27th, Louis Kesselberg turned out a Belgian man named Hardcoop mm-hmm. who had been traveling with him. He was an old guy, right? He was like, like yeah. in his like late 60s, early 70s, yeah. something like that. Well, Donner was like 62. I know. But this uh, apparently Hardcoop was... Hey, you know, in bad health. Mm-hmm. And I guess Kessberg, you keep saying Kesselberg, it makes me think of the, you know, 12 parsecs <laughs> joke. But <laughs> but Kessberg, I guess, felt that he was weighing the party down or maybe at least weighing down his wagon. He was weighing down his oxen because he had him in, a, in the wagon. Right. So, um, so he tossed him out. And uh, the old man, he couldn't keep up. Uh, and, you know, he was trying to rest when the party rested, but he had severely swollen feet mm-hmm. and began to knock over onto uh, on other wagon doors, but no, nobody would let him in. Right. And he was last seen sitting under a large sagebrush, completely exhausted, unable to walk, worn out, and left there to die. And that's... Wow. They don't know what happened to him. Yeah. He probably died out there. Oof. On the night of October 11th, the Pawtee Indians killed 21 of the Donner Party's oxen. Yeah, and with poison-tipped arrows, mm-hmm. nonetheless. What could you do? So they use poison-tipped arrows, killing 21 of their cattle, so they can't even eat them. Right. 
So right. that's it. Once they're dead, that is it. Mm-hmm. So like I said, they – I mean they – so not only, you know, uh, were they following Hastings, you know, getting messed up with the sagebrush, <laughs> right. trying to get – I mean like let's talk about some hardships. Then, mm-hmm. you know, they have a group of Indians attack them, you know, and kill 21, mm-hmm. you know, and that is definitely food that they could have eaten later on. And there, there's a few accounts that the Indians were laughing at them. Yeah. You know, basically, like, these guys, they don't, you know, <laughs> what are they doing? You know, why, why, why would they do this? So a little while after that, October 16th, they reached the gateway to Sierra Nevada on the Truckee River, which is present-day Reno. Uh, they had almost no food supplies at this point. And miraculously, three days later on October 19th, one of the men they had sent earlier to Fort Sutter, Charles Stanton, he returned laden with several mules loaded with beef and flour, and then also two Indian guides uh, that were supposed to help them get through with news that there was a path through Sierra Nevada, uh, and Stanton's partner, William McCuchin, had fallen ill and r- remained at the fort. The caravan camped for five days, 500 miles from the summit, resting the oxen for their final push. Mm-hmm. The decision to delay their departure was yet one of many that would lead to their tragedy. Because if they had just left right then and there, uh, you know, because they, basically what they – to get over that summit, right? Mm-hmm. To get over – they were 50 miles from the summit. To get over it, they decided to rest the oxen for a few days. Right. Give them five days and, right. and that's and it. within – what was it? Five or six days? Mm-hmm. Like it started to snow. That's when the that's when the snow happened. This right. is this is where it gets this is where it gets good. Yeah, yeah, right. So all the snow started happening, and it's literally like they're talking about within hours, mm. like several hours. It's snowing something like five feet. Oh yeah, yeah. You and you're talking I mean? in in mountainous areas. You know, there's winds, so there's lots of snow drifts, and it collects rather quickly. And uh, you know, mountainous areas. The ground is not solid. Mm-hmm. There, there are layers and layers and layers of detritus and you know dead foliage. So it's very squishy, very mushy, uh, and you add snow on top of that. Yeah, that's <laughs> like disastrous. Now here's the thing: uh, they were at um, the Truckee River leads into the Truckee Lake, which is actually now called Donner Lake. They've actually yes. changed the name because since this tragedy happened, mm-hmm. even though the Sierra. The, the pass over the Sierra was just a few miles beyond. They didn't want to attempt it, you know. I mean, you know, with everyone so beat, you know, and they just got, you know, this food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the lake, there was, you know, some level ground, some timber, and one existing little tiny cabin. Yeah, it was like an abandoned fisher's cabin or something. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure why it was just hanging out there. Right. Probably and, an old uh, frontiersman. You know, uh, beaver trapper or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, but they actually built two more cabins for all the people to to kind of stay in. Mm-hmm. So, fifty nine people at this point huddled into three little these three little tiny cabins. Only really one of them an actual cabin, right? Yeah. So the one other of them two was were like, like lean to, and the other one was even more rudimentary than a lean to. Yeah, they're like little brush. You know, like like little brush lean-tos mm-hmm, but that they were, were leaned against the existing cabin. Right, exactly. Uh, and, you know, hoping to wait out the snow uh, for it to melt so that they could go up this pass. And they, they, they constructed these little kind of lean-tos, uh, you know, the, what they call the other cabins. Mm-hmm. They constructed them from tents that they had, from quilts. 
from buffalo robes uh, and, you know, the brush that was sitting around. Right. That was between October 30th and November 4th. Mm -hmm. By November 5th, more snow and more unsuccessful attempts to cross the mountains happened. Mm -hmm. uh, they were basically sending people, trying to send people over to see if they could get over it. Yeah, with, Stanton you know, and two of the Indian guides, uh, they were able to reach the summit, but they had to turn back because the other other people that were trying to go with them were too exhausted to, to keep going. Right. And they had made like these, they had made snowshoes. And I don't know if you've ever seen those before, mm -hmm. but they basically look like like tennis rackets, yeah. right? They're to yeah. keep you over top of the snow so yeah, your it, feet it, won't continue to sink. Right. It, it uh, disperses your weight mm -hmm. on a larger footing than your your normal foot does. Yeah. So, so it, it disperses it over that so you don't sink in the snow so you're not pulling it up, you know, and, and losing your boot every single time you, you lift your foot. Mm -hmm. So there's one big distinction for how the Donner Party split up at this, this point. 59 of the members of the party were basically at the the lake, uh, now known as Donner Lake, uh, in those makeshift camps. 22 of the members were of the Donner Party were about six miles behind uh, at Alder Creek, and both parties had to, you know, basically build some kind of shelter because the snow was not stopping. Reed and McCoochin uh, were two of the members of the party. They headed back up into the mountains attempting to rescue their stranded companions. Two days later, they started out and it began to rain. And as the elevation increased, the, the rain turned into snow. And 12 miles from the summit, the pair could go no further. Catching their provisions in Bear Valley, they returned to Sutter's Fort, hoping to recruit more men and supplies for the rescue, but the Mexican War mm -hmm. had drawn many of the able-bodied men away, and it had forced, uh, you know, they, they couldn't do any more rescue attempts. Yeah, so that's the other thing that's going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there are hundreds and hundreds of families trekking across the, the western countryside. Yeah. At the same time in the world, there's also a war going on. Right. You know, so you're, if you're looking for help from any of those forts along the way, you're not going to find it. There's nobody there you're because find, they've all been called away. Yeah, or you might find a skeleton crew of people, you right. know, four or five people just to kind of man the fort, quote yeah. unquote, you know, and that's it. That's all you're going to find. Right. So uh, it was by thanks by Thanksgiving that the pioneers at Donner Lake had killed their very last oxen. Mm -hmm. So they started killing all of the oxen. They started out with several hundred. Yeah. Well, I mean, several of them were, were killed along the route. Several yep. of them died. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, I, you know what? We forgot to mention this as well. So it wasn't only uh, – what, what, was, what was the guy's name who got kicked out? Hardtack? Uh, hard coop. Hard coop. Uh, hard so it, it wasn't just hard tack that got kicked out. <laughs> right. Um, they lost a whole bunch of mules, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of donkeys, a whole bunch of oxen just wandered off mm -hmm. during the time that they were driving across that. Yeah, when they were in the desert, yeah, yeah. a handful of their oxen were like, screw this. Yeah, and they and just wandered off, wandered off on their own. Yeah, as soon as they were unhitched, they were out of there. So the very next day after Thanksgiving, uh, November 29th, uh, five more feet of snow had fell Jeez. on everyone. Uh, so, you know, everyone's kind of like plans for departure were just dashed. They were mm -hmm. gone. 
So many of the animals, including Sutter's mules, had wandered off into the storms as well. So they lost more people, there, more animals there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their bodies were lost under huge snowdrifts. So they could not even find them to take them and cook them up. Right. And by then they were, you know, they're slaughtering everything that's left and starting to eat things like uh, the boiled hides, twigs, bones from from the other animals they had killed previously. Yeah. And bark. So they were basically taking like the bones and they were making stew and stuff like that. Well, there's bone marrow and, you know, there's there's yeah. still nu- nutritious stuff in there's there. There's something in there to to actually eat. Right. right. So, but and, and they also started I mean, when it got really bad, mm-hmm. they started taking stuff and uh, you know, like bits of string. Yeah. yeah. That they would find, you know what I mean, and throw that in there because you know, it, it's got to have a little bit of chlorophyll, you know, mm-hmm. like left over in there. They would actually yeah. take that and throw it in. Well, and, back then it was probably made from, you know, organic fibers or hemp. Yeah, right. So, so they're trying to get as any kind of nutrition that they possibly could. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, and they were also taking and they were making, uh, you know, taking like the tendons and boiling that down and making something that they called glue. Okay. So they're basically eating glue stew, <laughs> right? I mean, they're, they're a bunch of kids in the woods eating paste. Right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of uh, like when when we were talking about you know uh, you know the when they were uh, the the polar explorers mm-hmm. when they would make what what did you, what did you call Hoosh. it hoosh 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 where they were actually <laughs> taking and killing their sled dogs yeah and eating them but yeah. they planned on doing that oh yeah you know Very what true. I mean they Very were planned true. on eating their sled dogs yeah on December fifteenth Ballas Williams died of malnutrition. And the group realized that something had to be done before they all died. The next day, five men, nine women, and one child departed on snowshoes they had, you know, fashioned for the summit, determined to travel 100 miles to Sutter's Fort. However, the only meager rations weren't really going to last that, you know, that many people that kind of trek. On the sixth day, their food ran out. For the next three days, no one ate. While they traveled through the grueling high winds and freezing weather. I like this. Th- this group that you're talking about, the nine women and the – what was it? Six men? Five men. Five men, nine women, and mm-hmm. the one child. They dubbed themselves the Forlorn Hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the name of their group. Charles Stanton was snowblind and exhausted and was unable to keep up with the rest of the group. So they told him to go back. Uh, he never rejoined the group. A few days later, the party was caught in a blizzard and had great difficulty getting uh, and keeping a fire lit because everything was wet or it was just blowing around too crazy. Yeah, and by December 25th, a blizzard catched the Forlorn Hope group. Mm -hmm. They were out in the open. uh, And like you said, they couldn't light the fire or anything like that. And uh, several people, uh, I believe four people, died at the camp, and they called it the Camp of Death. Mm -hmm. They had nothing left to eat at that point, and the survivors tearfully resorted to what we might call cannibalism. Eating the long pig. Yeah, they started uh, eating their own, the people Mm -hmm. that died. Now, this is the reason why we all know the Donner Party. Right. Right? Right. at, At this point, this was like the very first point that they started eating each other. Mm hmm Mm-hmm. Soylent Green is people. Well, yeah, it's you know he was licking me. Yeah, it's it's that it's that which, moment. Which, by the way, I kind of 
we should talk a little bit about Ravenous, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to interject like some of that, but Ravenous reminds me of the Donner Party. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of stories of the Wendigo because yes. it basically is a story about the Wendigo. Right. Right. Uh, and being, you know, that when you eat a person, it turns you into a Wendigo. Right. right? You're, you're uh, absorbing their essence right as it were they're 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 but then you crave it at that point so yeah yeah. now this is the mythological legend part right right right? once you taste long pig you can't go back right so it's the idea that that turns you into a vampire type creature or Mm -hmm. something like that vampire werewolfish Mm -hmm. kind of creature called the wendigo but but the the ravenous the movie Mm -hmm. which he was licking me you've probably heard (laughs) us talk about it before because it's one of our favorite movies. it's a fantastic movie it really love the soundtrack Right. It's, it's, it reminds me of The Hunger. It's one soundtrack the entire movie. Yeah, but they're out there. <laughs> they're song. out there during like an entire like gigantic snowstorm. They're yep. all trapped at a fort and they, you know, basically start eating each other. You know what I mean? And one of the yeah. one of the members of the group that you find out that he is one of the he is a Wendigo, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you know, and he reminds me of like a person from the Donner Party. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they found this. You know, one lonesome man, you know mm. what I mean, that was left over. So, Well, and, and there's also another movie I wanted to bring up was Alive. Right. Uh, not similar circumstances, per se. That was a based on, I believe they were a soccer team, mm-hmm. uh, and they were going to some now kind of— that was of, the plane crash. Right. They got into a plane crash uh, somewhere in the Alps and had absolutely nothing to eat besides what was, whatever was left on the plane. She's talking— Peanuts, you know, basically. So what they had to do when people started dying off from either malnutrition, frostbite, or just their injuries from the plane crash, mm-hmm. they the few survivors had to do something. And what was and the what was the other movie that just came out about a plane crash and it had Liam Neeson in it? Oh, the gray. That was very yeah. similar to that yeah, too. Yeah. Reminded me of that. But they didn't in that they don't resort to cannibalism. No, no. The wolves, no. That, however, are, are no. eating them, I believe, right? Yeah, but that's not cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> if a wolf was eating another wolf, that would be. Yeah. In all of those those films, especially the ones based on true stuff, like Alive and, and there is a, a Donner Party movie, which I haven't been able to see yet. I try to put myself in their shoes. Like, could I go through with that? You know what I mean? Could Could you – I know you're vegetarian – so you're already dead. By now, you would be dead <laughs> in the story. But what? What is it? The well, lust for life? Is it the Iggy well, here's, Pop song? Here's the thing: is is you know, and we're not even done with the story. There's, oh, I know, no, there's a lot it, to it. But we are we're just kind of taking a break from a minute from yeah, dates yeah. and times yeah, to kind of discuss cannibalism itself, right? Yeah. Um, there was a point in time where I have you eaten probably, human? Hold on. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> There was a point in time where six months before I decided that I was going to be a vegetarian, you that I figured it was either all or none. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. So I was like, okay, I probably, I think I want to be a vegetarian, right? Uh-huh. But I don't really want to go into it yet. So it's either all or none, right? So I'm <laughs> right. like, I'm either, I can either be a cannibal and be okay with that. <laughs> if it came down to it, accept the fact right. that I would eat human flesh. Or mm. I don't eat any of it, right? Any, so any, I was any like, flesh yeah, at all. okay. So you know, it's either all or none. Like either I eat people, you know, okay, <laughs> or I don't eat anything. I don't eat any meat because it's we're all the same thing. We're all made out of meat. 
That's we're true. all pink on the inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, all I want is a warm pink center. <laughs> so I, at, at one point, figured, I was like, well, yeah, sure. Okay, I'd be a cannibal. And then eventually I was like, I just can't eat any meat at all. See, but that seems like a stretch to me. <laughs> you know? I Why can does it seem a like a stretch? It's either all or none. Yeah, but you can, you can limit the all. I don't think you had to go... Full on plaid. I didn't actually eat anyone. <laughs> I know that. I'm just saying I was at the point I was saying that I was willing to do that. Okay. All but right. I don't I don't think that I really would have. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. All right. So so back to the, the story at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so or foot. Or, or thigh. Or whatever happens to be around. <laughs> uh, so only two of the men, uh, two of the ten men survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was William Eddy and William Foster. And that was for the, the forlorn hope. Right. Right. But all all uh all five of the women well, I thought you said it was nine women. Yeah. yeah. It was five men, nine women, one child. Okay. So all of the women had actually made it through, mm-hmm. but only two of the men did. Oh, gotcha. So of the eight of the eight dead, seven had had actually been cannibalized. Immediately messages were dispatched to neighboring settlements and area residents rallying to save the rest of the Donner Party right. from, you know, to get them off that, that lake. Right. You know? Well, I told you, they'd, they'd split. So yeah. they're about six miles away from each other. So there's a large party of 59 people uh, up at Donner Lake, and there's a smaller party of nine at Alder, was it Alder Creek. Yeah. So, and then from that, that smaller group, the Forlorn Hope, were like, we're going to go. Yeah. We, we got to get across the... the 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 past and quite a few of them made it, but I mean that was after, you know, right. eating some people. Mm-hmm. So to supercharge themselves. <laughs> uh, on February fifth, the first of the relief parties of seven men left Johnson's ranch, and the second headed out, headed by James Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know the, because he he actually a few days prior, a few weeks prior, pardon me, uh, he had passed the Donners yeah. on the trail because. The party that he was banished from were behind originally mm-hmm. the Donners, uh, and he'd passed them on the trail on a horse because he was banished. Yeah. So he went on to the first settlement he could get to, you know, and once word came to the settlement that they were stuck there and it's been like a month, Yeah. he was like, oh, okay, I'm not banished I, anymore. I'm going back. I got to go get these people. Yeah. So, uh, and it was on February 19th that the first party reached the lake finding what appeared to be a deserted camp until a ghostly figure of a woman appeared. Twelve of the emigrants were dead and 48 remaining. Many had gone crazy, uh, and they were barely clinging to life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the nightmare wasn't over yet because uh, since there were no pack animals that uh, that could be brought in and no no food supplies, they just – they could not really get anything to them. Well, they had – they did have some stuff on – like their horse saddles, you yeah. Know, the what are those called? Saddlebags, right? Some basic stuff for the riders that they'd kind of help distribute, but it still wasn't enough. Still wasn't very much. So the first relief party left with twenty three refugees, but during the party's travel back to Sutter's Fort, uh, two more of the children died en route yeah. uh, down the mountain. The first relief party actually met with the second relief party uh, coming the opposite way, and the Reed family was reunited. For the first time in five months. Now, at this point, they're, I mean, they're literally starving to death. They are eating whatever they can possibly find to eat. 
Uh, they're even, you know, some people tried to go out and hunt with barely any success. Uh, still others actually found things like mice mm-hmm. that were kind of around in the snow and they would catch them yep. and, you know, it's, cook them up and eat them, you know, whatever right. they could find. Right. If you ever watch, uh, I don't know, natural history kind of, you know, into the wild programs. Like, like bear grills or whatever. Yeah, like bear gorillas. That fish eye out of the, you well, know what I mean? If you ever watch like, like foxes and stuff yeah. in the winter. Like they have this keen sense of of hearing. Same with wolves, mm-hmm. and you'll see them. They they can hear mice and weevils and whatever lives underground, moles, and they'll hear them scurrying around. And then you'll just see them like pounce on the snow with their their forepaws and basically cave in the hole. Right. Hopefully, knock out or kill the the small Shock rodent it at the very least. Right. And they'll dig it out, and you'll see them run off with a mouse or something. Mm-hmm. So they can do it. Yeah. People. I mean, you're also talking, I mean, literally, you've you've got not just five feet. I mean, you're talking like 15 feet of snow at this point, like... Blowing around here and there. Just blowing around. You know, you have, you know, these snow drifts. I mean, they literally just can't even barely dig out of it. Right. And do you think any of them were dressed for that kind of weather? Well, here's the other... I mean, think about, like, okay, if if any of you live out on the East Coast, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just try digging out your car. And the amount of energy <laughs> right. that you use up and you're just like, after like 25 minutes of doing that, you're like, can I go inside and have some hot cocoa, please? This mm-hmm. is freaking awful. I need some soup, you know, and just not being able to eat anything. The perseverance that these people must have had to survive was just absolutely amazing. So on March 1st, the second relief party finally arrived at the lake uh, and they found grisly evidence of cannibalism. The next day, they arrived at Alder Creek to find that the Donners had also resorted to cannibalism. Uh, On March 3rd, Reed left the camp with 17 of the starving emigrants. Uh, But just two days later, they were caught in another blizzard. Uh, When it cleared, Isaac Donner had died, and most of the refugees were too weak to travel. Uh, Reed and another rescuer, uh, Hiram Miller took three of the refugees with them, hoping to find food that they had stored up along the way uh, and they had stored somewhere. Uh, the rest of the pioneers uh, stayed and would, be, were, would become known as the Starved Camp. Mm-hmm. And by then, uh, three mo- the three more that died were then cannibalized. William Eddy and William Foster find 11 survivors five days later after that. One of the rescuers, John Stark, stays and takes the refugees down out of the mountains. And this is by March 7th. So, I mean, basically, they were stuck there for like five months in the snow. Yeah. I mean, like, they, you know, they kept on going back and trying to rescue, trying to rescue. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a lot of back and forth, right? Well, you- so a few people will get to the camp. They'll rest up. They'll grab a few more people. They'll come back. They'll try and grab some of them. Uh-huh. I'm wondering how they're like, you, you, and you, you're going to come with us. It's, you're it's, strong enough. Yeah, it's probably the, either the, you're either going to go for the strongest who will make it yeah. or the weakest who need the most help. Right. I mean, how do you choose that? Yeah, but the weakest that need the most help, you get them halfway up the road. Mm-hmm. And they die. And they die anyway. Well, you can eat you them know? on the way. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but they, I mean, I don't think anyone goes out into that no, planning on eating so. people. No, no. You know, the Donner Party is people. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's how, how it actually went down. I think it was, 
that is the 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 last bastion of hope to keep yourself alive. Yeah. You know, wherever that comes from, the, I think those people were faced with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, you think you're talking mid 1800s. Like we didn't have interwebs or TV or MREs or ramen noodles. So every single thing you did was kind of a chore, was kind of hard. It, uh, it was all very hard. So I don't know. I think it was just kind of in, in the mindset is like, we will survive, you know, be damned everything else. We're going to make it through this. So I, I, you know, I forgot to mention this. Uh, you know, there was a, a moment uh, on October 20th. This is before really the snow started hitting hard. Mm-hmm. William Pike and his brother-in-law were cleaning a pistol and he accidentally was shot when he was cleaning oh, yeah, the pistol, right. Yeah, yeah. right? So, I mean, not only did you have people dying, but you just have people being stupid and shooting their themselves mm-hmm. when they're like... His brother-in-law. Right, yeah. yeah. Kills his brother-in-law, you by, know, when he's... By accident, you Well, know? still, I'm just saying, like, you know, so that's not... I mean, I know we're kind of going back to the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, before everything, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it's... Really, this, uh, this whole... The whole Donner Party just seems fairly cursed, Mm-hmm. So near the end of March, only nine people are left alive at the camps. Tamsin Donna refuses to leave her dying husband, and the other two are too weak to go. Yeah, well, George Donner actually had an infection on his hand mm-hmm. that he incurred several months earlier when he had he had injured it. So he Replacing was placing a wheel on his wagon. Right. Yeah. So he, he had injured his hand. It's now, you know, basically it's Infected. becoming putrefied. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he he can't go, and uh, and his wife decided to stay with him and sent their three gir- little girls without them. Yeah, because uh, the third relief rescue team they rescued four people, leaving four or five alive at the camps by then. Uh, now the the youngest of, of the three daughters was Eliza Donner, and mm-hmm. she was only three years old at this point. Yeah. So at the beginning of this trip, she I, she was probably only two. Mm-hmm. So in a little tiny swaddling blanket, probably, you know, well, I guess not if you're two. But I mean, you know, just a little, you know, she was a little girl. Yeah. You know? Sometime he, towards the end of the month, George Donner dies. Right. After George's death, George Donner's death, his wife, Tamsin, uh, she kind of makes her way across the, the little part of the mountain and arrives at Bren Cabin, which is where uh, Louis Kessberg is, yeah, is Kessberg. staying. He was, he was, he actually is one of the, he's one of the survivors, right, up to the very end, right. And he was also the guy that that he's the one that kicked out uh, Hardtack, mm-hmm. Hardcoop. That's what I said. <laughs> he's the one that kicked Hardtack out of the out of the wagon and made him walk, right. You know, he's right. like a broken man, but he's also. It's also known that he was a, a wife beater. Yeah, and kind of know, a jerk. And a general drunk. piece of trash. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? But so here's where I, I don't know exactly what happened. We were listening to uh, a thing earlier, you and I, where possibly this didn't happen. Yeah. But after George Donner's wife, Tamsin, goes to seek some shelter, probably you know warmth or something, uh, in a different cabin with an other human being, mm-hmm. happened to be uh, Kessberg. Supposedly, she did not survive the night after staying at his uh, little lean-to cabin. 
Right. Now, there's some talk about whether Kessberg actually – she had some money on her, mm-hmm. a couple thousand dollars. It was like five or six thousand dollars. Yeah, That's there's a lot in uh, 1800s. Right. Exactly. So there's some talk about whether he actually had stolen the money from her mm-hmm. or whether she you know, gave it up willingly. Uh, to send it forward with her three daughters. Right. But why didn't he... I guess he, that's why she didn't send it in the first place, because they're very young and, girls. Yeah. And what if one of the guys who's rescuing her sees a big old bag of money? Yeah. You know, and three small girls. So she decided either to give it to Louis Kessberg or Louis Kessberg stole it and killed her. Right. One of the stories that I heard was she told him... Take this money and give it to my my children if you make it out of here. Right. You know, so apparently from what he says, he had buried it near a tree, Mm -hmm. but they're in the effing woods (laughs) and it's snowing. And when the other relief party came and found him alone with bits and pieces of a human being. Well, it's – oh, go ahead. That's – yeah. I'm not saying it's her bits and pieces. There were other bits and pieces around. Yeah. They knew that they were traveling with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked him where the money was. He could not remember what tree it was because he's probably half starved. It's snowing. All the trees look the same. So they promptly didn't believe him. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's where part of, of his stigma comes from. Right. You know? Now, the, they also, the, the very last party that brought him back to mm-hmm. the fort, uh, to Sutter's Fort. Right. They basically told everyone that they found like a two-gallon kettle filled mm-hmm. with human blood. Right. And organs. Organs. Yeah. You know, all over the place and that he was, you know, eating all this and four fresh oxen legs that were frozen mm-hmm. that were sitting there on the ground that he wasn't eaten and said he couldn't eat it because they were too dry. <laughs> So whether you believe this is true or not or whether it was, you know, slander. Was it – it's like that um, Crocodile Dundee scene where he sees the Aborigine eating the bat. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you really enjoying it? And the Aborigine, Aborigine guy says, nah, needs salt. <laughs> yeah. Is it one of those things? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So – but I think it's – I think uh, he also actually sued – uh, sued yeah, that last rescue party for defamation of character. Yeah, and he because, won. Yeah, he won, and it still didn't matter because mm-hmm. in the public eye, they really saw him as you know this awful cannibal that killed this woman and ate her. Yeah, he so, got the nickname was uh, Kessberg the Cannibal. Right. I mean, walking around with that for the rest of your life. Right. So if you get a chance, uh, there's uh, a Memory Palace episode that's very very good, and this is uh, the the. It's a Donner Party episode called The After Party. It's episode 46. And this talks about uh, the the meeting between Kessberg and Ellie Donner, who was the youngest child, mm-hmm. uh, and meeting back up after she, had, uh, she was all grown up. Uh, if you get a chance, I would definitely listen to this. I'm going to put it on the show notes. June 22nd, 1847, General Stephen Watts Kearney headed east, reaching what he called the Cannibal Camp. With a Mormon battalion of veterans in his party, they gathered the remains into the Breen cabin, mm-hmm. uh, which was one of the members where you'll you'll find a lot of uh, Breen's uh, journal writings. Basically, most of it's about weather and, and conditions and stuff like that. Yeah, the Breens were another. We, you know, another we family. talk about the the the, the Kessbergs, the Donners, the mm-hmm. Reeds, and the Breens. They were all families that right. went on this group. Shoemaker, we, we haven't Reinhardt, really mentioned Smith. Breen. Yeah, there are so many people. Uh, 
there were 87 immigrants in the Donner Party. Yeah. Plus Lewis and Salvador, who were two California Indians who joined them in Nevada. Oh, didn't uh, didn't Kessberg? He actually, I believe, Kessberg also supposedly mm-hmm. ran after the two Indians, mm. shot them dead to eat them and cannibalize them. Oh wow! Or that's the story. Uh, anyway, it so could be, yeah. because the two Indians did not make it out either, they were right. the, they they came to help the party out and they mm-hmm. got stuck as well. Right. Out of the eighty nine, a net of eighty one people were trapped in the mountains due to snow. Yeah, due to snow and and busted wagons and oxen and all this other stuff. Out of the eighty nine people, forty one died and forty eight survived. So about only half of the party. Mm-hmm. eventually made it. And right. uh, I, I mean... Two-thirds of the women and children survived while about two-thirds of the men died. All four of the Donner adults, George, Tamson Donner, Jacob, and Elizabeth Donner died. But most of the Reeds and all the Breens survived. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible tragedy that, mm-hmm. that happened, uh, you know, that was... Huge at the time. I mean, it was in all the newspapers, mm-hmm. you know, and people are still talking about it today. Now, between 2004 and 2006, they basically tried to uh, excavate archaeologically to find out, you know, what people actually ate. Mm-hmm. Now, most of what they found were, you know, mice bones, you know, oxen, oxen bones, horse, dogs, right, everything, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, their, their, you know, their mules, things like that. But they didn't actually find, which is weird. This is very strange. They never actually found any human... Remains? Re, but yeah, re, bones and remains. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, where they put all the bones that they ate. Oh. They never found any human remains. So there, there were no gnaw marks or, or saw marks? Yeah, Exactly. So, so what their, their their point is is although this is not proof mm-hmm. that there was no cannibalism going on, right? It not might not have been as extensive as as originally thought. So it could have just been a little off the top. Yeah, I mean, I'm thing. saying like we're fairly sure that they did eat people. Someone chewed on someone. Somebody but. chewed on somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But. It's you know we're not one hundred percent sure that it actually happened. A lot of a lot of people think that you know it you know it just like we were talking about with Kessberg that mm. you know uh, the they were saying that the party that came back knew that uh, that Mrs. Donner had all that money yeah and were looking was looking for it right and. You know, and basically they said all this stuff about uh, about Kessberg because he didn't know where it was. Because he didn't know – he couldn't find it. He right. didn't remember where he buried it. So do you think that was possibly – I don't know, not, not revenge? Yeah, I mean that sort was of kind a, of the a, idea. A shaming like, well, you're not going to get this money. You're not right. going to find this money for us. Well, we're going we're gonna to make us some story and you're going to be booted out of town. But let me tell you, I'm fairly sure with them being stuck there with – you know, no food or very little food that right. they ate all up. I'm fairly sure that somebody chewed on somebody. There were people that were eaten. <laughs> right. You know, because I mean, if you're if you're trying to survive, that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's there's several several timeline and and list sites and stuff like that that'll kind of track all of this for you. But one thing that I found on I believe it's the Wikipedia page, there is a list. Of all of the people in the party, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And it gives you their age. It gives you their, their you know, death date, the location they died, and the cause of death. Some of it is really bizarre. You know, you've got things from you know, everywhere from starvation to, you know, accidentally shot. William Pike was accidentally shot. Yeah. Um, malnutrition. A bunch of unknowns. "Quote unquote unknown well, uh, cause of death." Also, a, a lot. A lot of what happened was you had the wealthier families mm-hmm. not sharing the food that they had yeah. with the you know with the, the people that weren't as wealthy, mm-hmm. and asking them to pay exorbitant rates for their for for food. Yeah. to help out. Yeah, you know, I just want a sandwich. Yeah, you know, so that'll be five hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, I, I mean, you had a lot that you know, and I think that's just people rationalizing like. Like instead of thinking, oh, we're not going to get out of this. Like yeah, yeah. at that, at some point, they were like, yeah, we'll probably get out of this, and I'm going to get out of this with as much mo- most money that I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next day they're being eaten. Right. Well, and it's funny because you run down this list of of causes of death, and one that really sticks out in this whole list: starvation and and uh, malnutrition, uh, lots of hypothermia, uh, tuberculosis. Several people had that. One that sticks out in my mind was William Cook, who was 12, and he died in mid-February at the Foothill Camp from overeating. Right. So this was (laughs) – he was so hungry. Right. You know, he had food. Uh Uh-huh. He's at – you know, he he got brought to one of the little camps. Mm -hmm. Someone rescued him, and he ate so much, you know, that he – Burst his stomach, like he, distension. He burst yeah. and died from it. Yeah, all that mine, is, all yeah. food, all mine. After making <laughs> his way through it, I know a twelve-year-old boy. He overeats and kills himself. Yeah. I, I mean, how freaking awful is that? Yeah, but I just it really kind of sticks out in my head. Like that's not cool. So one of the things that I did want to mention, Joe, is that uh, so you know every time that they would leave out from the camp of death or the starved camp mm-hmm. to try and make it to, to Fort Sutter. What they would do is they would actually, or what they said that they did was they wrapped it up and they carefully labeled it so that the, so that the people that they were eating mm-hmm. was actually not one of their relatives. Okay. So you don't eat your own kind of thing? So you don't eat your own. Okay. So, you know, the Reeds would have to eat the Donners. Oh, the yeah, Donners would have to eat the Keswicks. That's just civilized. The Keswicks would have to eat the – what are they? The Biddles? The Breens? The Breens. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So it just goes on and on in a in a little circle <laughs> that everyone eats everyone else's so right. that they're not eating their own people because that would just be gross. <laughs> I hate to laugh about it, but it is know, 150 – you know, 160 years ago. It's now. not too soon. We're okay. So there, there are several historic sites now, Donner Lake, Donner Pass. Uh, some of the forts are still standing. You can visit them. You can see them. Uh, and if you do, send us pictures. Let us know how they are. Yeah, and like I said, they, you know, they, they did a few archaeological digs, you know, and I believe there's quite a few, um, you know, plaques mm-hmm. around that you can check out, you know. Yeah. And go to different places. You know, of course, like we had mentioned, they, that they changed the name to Donner Lake mm-hmm. because of the incident yep. that they lived at for five months. Right. Eating each other. Still doesn't seem like a good cutoff or shortcut. 
five months does not make a shortcut, methinks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was more than five months. It was just five months they got stuck in the snow. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying. That's not a shortcut. So like we were talking about, the even though no human bones were identified during Mm -hmm. the archaeological digs that they did, uh, one of the quotes came from one of the one of the scientists that did the you know the archaeological dig mm-hmm. he said that uh, we have demonstrated that there is no evidence for cannibalism if the Donner party did resort to cannibalism the bones were treated in a different different way such as buried or they were placed on uh, on the hearth uh, last uh, and could have been since eroded hmm so uh, so they could have been eroded, but that doesn't necessarily mean just because there is no evidence right. of cannibalism does not mean that it didn't happen. Right, because if you do – if you look at any sort of like archaeological examinations of cannibalistic tribes in the Amazon and, and various other places, you will see things like tool marks on bones. You will see things like teeth marks on bones. Yeah, uh, you know, cracking of of the large bones, you know, the 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 tibia and the fibula, to get out the bone marrow, uh, not splintering them like a dog would. A dog would just gnaw on it until it, it splinters. So, uh, with the trash and debris that was left around the Donner Party hearth in the spring of 1847, shows that in spite of the very difficult circumstances, the members tried to maintain a sense of normalcy uh, and decorum. Uh, so they were sitting the bones there. Uh, you know, it, su- it suggests that the children uh, were sitting and doing lessons, uh, while shards of china indicate that they were eating off of plates, uh, retaining some dignity and hoping for the future. Well, isn't this civilized? Yeah, this mm-hmm. is civilized cannibalism. Right. <laughs> One good thing comes out of this. After the publicity, the emigrants to California fell off sharply, and Hastings' cutoff was soon abandoned. As well it should be. Yeah, yeah. And then in uh, January 1848, gold was discovered in the John Sutter's Mill uh, in Coloma. Gold-hungry travelers began to rush out west once again. By 1849, more than 100,000 people came to California in search of gold. Uh, near the streams and canyons where the Donner Party had suffered. So eventually it becomes a, a hotbed and a, a gold rush there. Right. But, I mean, and, and so something good happened, you know. 100,000 more people, did. they made it, you know. So the lesson is don't listen to Hastings. I think the lesson <laughs> is don't take a shortcut. And that. Right? Yeah. I think so that's otherwise of- you might be eating mice and your dog champ. We didn't even mention Champ. No. Poor Champ. Yeah. He got ate up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Or you might be eating, uh, you know, your best friend's aunt's, you know, left leg. But not a relative. That's why I said your best friend's aunt. Right. So really the moral <laughs> of the story, uh, ladies and gentlemen, curiosos of all ages, is don't eat your relatives. Make someone else do it. Yeah. Label your meat. <laughs> <laughs> It's all or nothing, right, Chris? It's all or nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be a cannibal or a vegetarian. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't make any sense. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos 
youtube.com backslash Curioso Podcasts. You can call our voicemail line, leave us a message, 443-327-9673. On your touchstone phone, that spells Hydasword. On the Curioso.com website, on the left-hand side, you can help support the show by clicking on our Amazon link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. If you'd like to check out some of our sister podcasts, check out thundergrunt.com. How's that? Is that okay? Let me get this dust bunny off of here. Yeah. This pube. <laughs> dust bunnies and pubes. Just on the microphones. That's what I, when I go home, that's what I do with them. Just roll around <laughs> with them. <laughs> Rub them on your <laughs> Just roll around with them. <laughs> the established California trail. <laughs> Let's, let me do that one more time. Mm. Boop, 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 boop. Drop the meat. Nothing like a daughter party. It's a daughter party. Eating the pie. There ain't no party like a daughter party because the daughter party don't eat. Drop the meat. Nothing like a Donner party because oh, yeah, the Donner party don't stop. It was me eating a leg of someone. Yeah. Yeah, you get it.